Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports, a jam-packed show for you this week. Coming up in our next segment, Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com will join us. We're going to get inside the Ryan Braun overturned suspension story. I am fired up about this story this week. I'll give you my thoughts on that in a moment. Bob Condotta from the Seattle Times will join us. We'll talk about the latest from Seattle with a potential new arena that would be home to an NBA team and an NHL team. We'll talk to Bob Condotta with the Seattle Times about that. Tom Ziller from SB Nation and Sacktown Royalty will join me. The Kings and the city of Sacramento, a deadline coming up at the end of this month to reach a new agreement on a new arena in Sacramento for the Kings to play. And we'll get down into the dirt on that story with Tom Ziller. Then Kenny the Jet Smith. You've watched him on the NBA on TNT, one of our favorite broadcasters out there. My favorite studio show is the NBA on TNT with Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, and now Shaq. So we'll talk to Kenny Smith about the All-Star game, talk about the great chemistry on the NBA on TNT and some other things. That's coming up in today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter, at SB Radio. Brian Griggs, executive producer, This Ryan Braun thing really has me fired up. And if I were Ryan Braun, uh, I would, I don't know if I'd be as calm as he's been, at least in his press conference. Here's an innocent guy by all accounts. The testing procedures here. Are you kidding me? Someone takes a sample home, puts it in their refrigerator, and then we learn, well, this is common practice. Well, if it's common practice, it shouldn't be common practice anymore. Here's a guy with tens of millions of dollars at stake, with a reputation that has been sullied, and you're telling me after he pees into a cup, someone takes it home for the weekend and puts it in their refrigerator? It's criminal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, this story has quickly become a, a huge story, and uh, you know, I think Ryan's doing everything in his power he can do. He's, he's taking the tests, he's doing the press conferences, he's trying to get his name out there, hey, you know, I'm innocent of this. And yeah, the, the practice of the, it's just, it's ludicrous. It's crazy. If you are innocent, you're an open book. You're transparent. You cooperate to the fullest extent. That's what Ryan Braun has done here. What else do you want him to do? I hear people, well, he should have done this. What else was he supposed to do? He's done everything that he could have done to clear his name. He hired good lawyers. And for the first time in the history of Major League Baseball, a suspension was overturned. And by the way, according to all the facts I've seen, it was the right thing to do. By the way, if this had happened in the NFL, the appeals process would have led the player directly back to the NFL. There is not a third-party arbitrator. That is ridiculous, and that needs to change. All right, coming up next, Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com. We'll dig deeper into this Ryan Braun issue and his suspension being overturned by an independent arbitrator. Of course, Major League Baseball vehemently disagreed with that decision. We'll get into that next. I'm Brian Berger. I'm fired up. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, 
We'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I'm joined on the phone right now by our good friend Maury Brown of thebizofbaseball.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bizballmaury. Maury, happy Friday. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks for taking the time. I'm pretty fired up about this story on a lot of different levels, but let's talk about Ryan Braun. First, yesterday, 50-game suspension overturned. First time that's ever happened in Major League Baseball history. But let's start, Maury, with the makeup of this three-person panel, which is part of the arbitration process, which, by the way, doesn't exist in the NFL. You've got Rob Manfred, who works for Major League Baseball. He's part of the panel. You've got Michael Weiner, who is the head of the Players Association. He's part of the panel. You know how they're going to vote. Manfred's always going to vote for Major League Baseball. Weiner's always going to vote for Major League Baseball players. So then you have this third person here who is part of the panel, and he was kind of the the deciding vote. Uh, His name is Doss... Uh, yes. So he, a lot of pressure on him as part of this. Yeah. And he's been part of this process, Brian, since, I mean, the beginning of the whole steroid testing program. And he was involved in every one of these cases has been the arbitrator in the midst of this. So baseball basically had gone 12 and 0. Now they're 12 and 1. And this, the, basically this, I mean, it's an interesting case in that the whole process kind of played itself out. And it's spelled out very clearly in what they call the joint drug agreement that's jointly, you know, agreed upon by the Players Association and Major League Baseball. It just is a, a really compelling case. I mean, if falling a urine sample into people's refrigerators and stuff is your story, this may be the most compelling story that there's ever been about such a topic. Yeah, I mean, to the common person listening to this, they say, wait a minute, a multi-million dollar baseball player submitted a sample, and then the sample was taken home to someone's refrigerator for 44 hours, where who knows what could have happened to it. How how can the system be better? Because to me, if I'm Ryan Braun, I've got tens of millions of dollars at stake. I've got my reputation at stake. There's got to be a better system. Well, I mean, basically, in this instance, you know, basically what we have is human error. I mean, you had a guy that made the collection. He followed the protocol completely. It was sealed. It was uh, basically initialed by Ryan Braun. That's part of the process. To go directly to a FedEx, like a Kinko's FedEx, and immediately shipped to the testing laboratory in Montreal, uh, Canada. And that didn't happen. He thought the the collector of it thought that the, that FedEx didn't ship on a Saturday, so he takes it home. He either stores it in his fridge or stores it in his basement. The rules and the pro- protocol really says, "Hey, look." You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do the other thing. That right there was Ryan Braun's out. Their lawyers really honed in on that and went, "Look, this is a process that you agreed upon. You guys broke it. There was an opportunity. Wasn't that leaves reasonable doubt that there could be something that could have happened to the sample? You know, you can call it a technicality. You can call it a loophole. You can call it whatever. Baseballs, of course, livid about this. They're immediately trying to close." You know, what a lot of people are deeming as a a loophole trying to close that up because, look, they got other players that they're testing right now. They don't want somebody exercising that loophole again. Maury, is this final, this arbitration decision, or is Major League Baseball appealing the decision by the arbitrators? Well, so this is a great question, Brian. As of this morning, um, I was, in talking to my sources, they said that it was too soon to really jump to that conclusion that, you know, it would be too soon to speculate that they were going to go and appeal to a federal court. But that it just saying that that was a possibility, it looms out there. I mean, it's certainly one of those cases that maybe it could. It might come off of sour grapes. But I, I think baseball is highly concerned. For one thing, you know, Ryan Braun isn't some problem child for the league. I mean, he was somebody, you know, that was highly respected. 
He's, you know, the NL MVP. He plays for Bud Selig's prior own team, for heaven's sakes. So they could say, you know, nobody is above our drug testing program. So, I mean, this stings for them. They're clearly upset. They're very upset about this. As Rob Manfred said, we vehemently oppose the ruling by the arbitrator. Yeah, and you would think, as we were just saying, that this system has to change because if you're Major League Baseball, you can't have something like this happen again. No, I mean, you can't. I mean, look, Brian, I mean, I, I spent half the night reading through the joint drug agreement and looking at how that basically is structured. And they really, you know, went over it with a fine tooth comb. And like one person said that's close to the league said, look, it's, you know, it's a jointly agreed upon policy. Why is the onus being placed squarely on us? Well, you know, you can, you can split that hair a number of ways. But I mean, look, there's, you know, there are very few legal binding documents out there that don't have people looking for loopholes or at least, you know, saying, hey, you know, we got a shot at this thing. Let's try and shoot for this and test it. Well, there, here's our test. And there was a hole in the test. And based upon that, they're going to immediately, baseball has said they are going to immediately address this and try and get a change to it right away. Look, there, I think there are people even on the player side that are like, wow. You know, we really dodged the bullet on this one. We got a win out of it. Um, we probably shouldn't have this sort of thing happen again. You know, it was human error. Like I said, you know, the guy should have delivered it on Saturday or that, you know, and, and if that hadn't happened, Ryan Braun would be sitting right now with a 50-game suspension. I have no doubt about that. Well, I mean, look, if you're Major League Baseball, if you don't change your chain of custody procedures, anyone who fails a drug test in the future, the lawyers now have the blueprint as to how to fight it. Yeah, and, and this has been one of those things, Brian, where they have sat there and said, you know, I've, legal scholars and those that have looked at the policy have said, you know, if there's one shot at beating on appeal, and look, it's almost very impossible. Look, Ryan Braun, A, his testosterone level was off the scale. It's reportedly higher than anybody had ever had before. And B, when they went back and looked at it, it was synthetic, which, you know, that's something your body doesn't produce. I mean, you might in a million years be able to explain something like that away, but your chances are very, very low of getting that to happen the the avenues that everybody looks at is like if you know because there's human error involved if somebody screwed up transporting that sample and mailing it and going through that process that's our out and here we are brian here we have it Moy brown from the biz joining me find him on twitter at bizball Moy. Moy, i may be naive i may be stupid but I believe Ryan Braun, when he speaks, I, I see a guy speaking from the heart. I see a guy who, if he was guilty, wouldn't have been nearly as transparent and cooperative as he's been. And here's a guy who's never, ever failed a drug test. So to me, this kind of looks like an anomaly. And again, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm stupid, but if I look at what you should do if you're falsely accused of something. Ryan Braun did all of the right things here. Well, I mean, he did, Brian. I mean, I don't think you can argue at that. But, I mean, in terms of players, you know, getting around the testing policy, look, you know, Manny Ramirez passed through the, the you know, basically was able to get around it for years. And I don't think there's too many doubts in people's minds that, you know, he was clearly juicing. You know, the, the programs can be got around. I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that the, while the percentages are dramatically down in terms of people that are using performance-enhancing drugs, there's still the capacity to get around it. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, he sounds very, you know, honest about it. He sounds very, you know, he did, like you said, all the right things. And in that sense, that's what makes this whole thing so compelling. And, you know, I, the lawyers probably said, let's take the path of least resistance. If we can Braun may have said, Let's, we can fight this thing on the fact that I really didn't do that, and here's the medical reasons, or here's what I have going on you know, with my medical history that could have done this sort of thing. Other, the lawyers, I think, probably looked at this and said, no, here's the one place where we can clearly get a, a better you know, toehold and get out of this thing. I'm not sure if that was the case or not, but, I mean, that's the way that it goes down. He doesn't go down winning this case saying that he didn't use it or had a medical reason for it. It's that he basically gets around based upon the chain of custody being broken. Regardless of this ruling, there will always be people out there that will say Ryan Braun cheated. It is tampered with his reputation forever. Do you see a situation where Ryan Braun takes legal action for how his reputation has been tainted against Major League Baseball? 
Well, this is a great question, Brian. I mean, in my mind, if you find out who leaked this information, you might have a compelling case of that. I mean, look, ESPN clearly had a source, and that source was correct. So, you know, that's that's the situation. This story was never or should have never seen the light of day. I mean, this is the, you know, the, the ability to basically have this done, you know, without having the media spotlight on it has always been the process by which base, Major League Baseball wants to have it. And in not and having that leak happen, you know, it did soil it. This would we would have never known, Brian. We wouldn't be never having this discussion right now if somebody hadn't leaked that information to ESPN. So as of today, the league has no intent of doing an internal investigation on their own. They don't feel that they've been aggrieved. They feel obviously the player has been aggrieved. That you know, and along with that, currently the MLBPA has no intent of filing a grievance if they felt that the leak came within Major League Baseball. That's been you know, you know, you put one and one together and you get five out of this thing. Wow, you know, Ryan Braun a leak. You know, it must have been somebody in Major League Baseball. Well, right now, Major League Baseball isn't chasing it, and neither is the Players Association. Very, very interesting story to follow. Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com. Uh, follow him on Twitter at BizBallMori. Maury, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Brian. Have a good weekend. You too. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hey, good girl. Good girl. Your head in the clouds. I bet you I can tell you what you're thinking about. You'll see a good boy. Gonna give you the world. But he's gonna leave you crying. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back. Is the NBA going to return to Seattle? A very important press conference took place. For the latest, we go to Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times. He's on Twitter, at Bob Condotta. Bob, thanks for taking the time to join me. I appreciate it. Sure, no problem. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. So tell us uh, the highlights of the press conference that took place within the hour, and how is this going to come together if it does come together? Yeah, uh, in this, uh, yeah, this was the first press conference where we, re- re- we really got to hear from the people involved a lot of the details. So uh, that was good because there's been a lot of kind of speculation, and our papers kind of had some of the reports of things around the edges. But today we really got the full details. Um, you know, I, one of the really most interesting things is, and it's a potential kind of putting the brakes on how quickly this might happen, is that they're not going to do anything until they secure until Chris Hansen's group, which is the kind of the private investor spurring all this, until they secure both an NBA and an, and, and an NHL team here. So until they have contracts saying they've got teams coming to Seattle, then they break ground on the arena. So they, they're not going to go the other way like, say, Kansas City did, where you build the arena and then hope a team comes. So uh, that's an interesting part of this that they that they stated publicly today. Uh, you know, the financing is it's a roughly $500 million arena. Uh, about $300 million of it would be private money. Uh, put in by this group led by Chris Hansen, who's a Seattle. Uh, he's not a. He's a Seattle native. He's a, a Bay Area resident now, but a Seattle native. Kind of grew up here, longtime Sonics fan, and it's kind of made it his goal in life to bring the NBA back to Seattle. But he also, uh, I think, feels to make the arena work economically that you need to have a second anchor tenant. So that's why the NHL is a part of the deal as well. Um, and uh, about 200 million of it would be uh, kind of city county money but it, all that money would come via the arena itself so it would all be 
money made by the arena that's kind of funneled through the city and county back to them to help pay for it. So like user fees or? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, some sort of, you know, what, and this part, maybe that's buried somewhere in the proposal, but, you know, you pay $30 for a ticket, $1 of that goes to, to a fund that then helps pay off that remaining $200 million, that sort of thing. Yeah, because, I mean, look, we've seen this story before in Seattle where the taxpayers have said, we're not going to pay for it. If you build it, we'll come, but we're not going to pay to build the arena. So I was wondering where that $200 million will come. This is interesting. It's very much, it sounds like, what's going on in Los Angeles with the NFL. You've got Farmers Field, but they're not going to bring, they're not going to break ground on the stadium down there until they've got an NFL team. Yeah, it's exactly, and, and and that was a really key part of this that nobody really was certain of until t- until two o'clock when they when they made the announcement was, are they just going to start break ground on the arena tomorrow and then hope the teams come, or do they need the teams first? And and they were very clear they need the teams first, and so. That's a little bit of uh, you know I I don't know that especially the NHL part of that I I, I mean I don't know it, it's hard to get a read on how how um, easy that is to do I've seen some NHL people kind of already uh, real quickly kind of pour some cold water on that part of it because uh, what you would have to do is go play at Key Arena while the arena is being built and Key Arena is not uh, built in NHL specifications now so the it, it would have, I guess, about 10,000 or so unobstructed seats uh, for hockey. So would some team be willing to come do that for a year or two? Um, you know, maybe they would at, at, at the promise of what would be to come down the road. But uh, so those are kind of the roadblocks there. So, you know, as, as, as the mayor said, actually, I guess it was the K- uh, King County Councilman said, you know, this is, uh, this is tip-off of what's going to be a seven-game playoff series to get this thing done. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of work, work ahead. What do we know about this 44-year-old hedge funder, Chris Hansen, whose group supposedly secured land around Safeco Field? I read they paid $21 million for it. What do we know about this guy? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think you need to, need to say supposedly. I mean, that, again, that, that was part of what really tipped everybody off in December was when he, he did start buying up all the land. I mean, okay. they that. So, that, again, that's one of the part that makes you realize how serious they are about getting it off the ground is that they do have the land. Um, uh, yeah, you know, what we know is pretty much, uh, not to plug the Seattle Times, but it's pretty much uh, in our paper today. He was a very uh, secretive kind of personality up until then, and he, he uh, made himself available to our paper, uh, you know, came to the Seattle Times offices for about an hour-long interview yesterday for the kind of the sole purpose of having one media entity anyway kind of write about him so that people knew who he was and why he was doing this. But otherwise, he wants to really stay out of the limelight. But, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a hedge fund manager in San Francisco, uh, grew up in Seattle, actually went to Roosevelt High School, which is, uh, uh, about you know, you can kind of see it from Husky Stadium. It's one of the closest high schools over there, uh, one of the traditional Seattle high schools. And, you know, said that the Sonics winning the 79 NBA title was one of the sporting highlights of his life. And so he, uh, you know, I think he wants his, his legacy maybe to uh, Seattle to be that he's the guy who helped bring the NBA back. What do we know about other people from the Seattle sports scene that may be involved with this? I've heard Wally Walker's name mentioned. I've heard Bob Witsit's name mentioned. Has Chris Hansen aligned himself with any of these people? Yeah, that's a little unclear. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't uh, cleared up in the press conference today. Uh, what they did do today was say that there's kind of a committee to oversee this, and Lenny Wilkins is going to be part of that, but but he's not part of the financing group. Um, there had been some talk about Walker. I, I haven't seen uh, anything specific de- uh, putting him with this group. It's, it's possible he is, but uh, I, I don't think we've been able to confirm that one way or the other. Wally Walker has not been saying anything publicly. What's the vibe up in Seattle? It seems like, you know, just following this story on Twitter, a lot of people very excited about the potential of the return of the NBA to Seattle. But when you're walking down the street, do people care a lot about it or are they like, well, I can take it or leave it? Yeah, you know, if I walked down the streets of Seattle a lot, I might be able to tell you. <laughs> I actually live kind of way outside and don't do that a whole lot. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I, I think the general vibe is probably what you can see on Twitter, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I think for the most, obviously sports fans are good. I, you know, basically that comes down to whether you're a sports fan or not. If you're a sports fan, you're really excited about it. And if you're not, you're probably not. And you'd probably, you know, ho-hum, whatever, um, you know, as long as you're not taxing me. I, I think... 
I think answering that one question, and if they, as long as they explain that clearly enough, and that is clear to people that there's no general tax involved on this, and there's not even kind of a tourist tax. You know, if you go to Phoenix and try to rent a car, you're paying ten dollars or whatever every time for all the stadiums they've built there, and you know, so uh, that can be annoying to, to people. Uh, you know, this doesn't even include taxes like that. I mean, it's solely taxes that would be generated by the arena which would only be there if they build the arena in the first place and have these teams come. So, uh, you know, if none of this happens, then you're never taxed. Um, so I, I think answering that and making that clear to people will probably, uh, I, I would imagine for most people, would would probably satisfy them if you're not a sports fan. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I think your general run-of-the-mill sports fan obviously would be very excited at the thought of having the Sonics come back. And I think, I think most of them are kind of willing to have this, you know, kind of do whatever it takes to have that happen. So it sounds like, before I let you go, there's a lot of what-ifs and might-bes, but there is some exciting potential around this opportunity. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, at least I, um, I, I mean, a lot of that is much more clear. I mean, you, you kind of now know what has to happen for Seattle to win the game, so to speak. I mean, I guess you know what the deficit is and what you got to do to do to rally. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think hearing that they want both of the teams secured before they break the ground, I think, just gives you a little bit of a pause that there is a ways to go on this. And who knows? You know, I, I, one of the things we were saying yesterday is for, for Hanson to kind of step up and, and start becoming so public about this and for the, for the city and the county to have a press conference today. Maybe they know a lot more behind the scenes about teams that are going to be available. Obviously, there are two or three teams in each league that uh, you know potentially are very available and maybe they are available in, in the next uh, month or two and you know who knows maybe that can happen tomorrow but uh, that is a pretty significant step that has to happen first before they get anywhere and so you know that was one of the things we were really wondering I, I, you know are they going to build the arena and then hope a team comes I, I think to some people that might seem a little easier path then you got to get both teams then you build the arena and so that's what they announced today is that you know it's going to be the latter part bob i really appreciate you taking the time to join me and uh recapping what happened at the press conference today it'll be an interesting story to watch bob condotta of the seattle times follow him on twitter at bob condotta bob thanks a lot all right thank you podcast this show and any other past sbr episode at sportsbusinessradio.com back with more sbr after this Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. A lot going on in the NBA and specifically in Sacramento over the next few weeks. We all know that the Kings almost moved to Anaheim about a year ago at this time. But then Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento, stepped in and said, give us one more year, we'll get a deal done for a new arena but the clock is ticking. For the latest on this story, we go to the phone lines, SBNation.com's lead NBA writer and also the founding editor of SacktownRoyalty.com. Tom Ziller joins me. Tom, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Hey, thanks for joining me. So what's the latest in Sacramento? I've heard that Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento, and David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, will meet in Orlando this All-Star weekend to talk about things. But where do things stand? We're in our final negotiations between the city, the league, the Maloofs, um, who own the Kings, and AEG, the uh, the megalith company that, that runs and, and owns parts of so many arenas uh, that that host NBA teams. Um, AEG seems to be on board to provide a, a big upfront contribution to construction of the arena in exchange for the rights to, to be the operator of it over the next 30 years. 
Um, so right now, I, I think the, the last uh, set of negotiations is about how the revenue split's going to work since the city will be owning um, the, the building and um, what sort of money that the, that the MBA and the Maloofs uh, will be putting up front and over the, the course of the lease to help finance that. Yeah, the figure I heard for what the Maloofs will need to come up with as part of their part of this deal would be about $150 million. We know the Maloofs have fallen on more difficult times in the last few years financially. Can they come up with that $150 million? No. Um, the, we're, we're looking at a private investment total of, of about that. I think the, the initial estimates were about $135 million is what the city was looking for. Um, some of that will be coming from AEG. They've they've been pegged at around uh, 50 million, but that could go up. Um, and then the Maloofs and the MBA would be on the hook for for about 80 million. Uh, it's a difficult difficult uh, uh, number to get to um, when you look at 400 million, roughly the figure needed to to build this thing. The city is looking at privatizing its downtown um, parking operations for for parking structures in the area that would benefit from this arena. Um, so bringing the company in to run those, that company would pay, uh, they're looking at about $200 million up front to run that for 30 to 50 years. Um, so that other $200 million is what needs to be made up. Some of it can be done with selling land, including the land that uh, the current uh, Kings Arena out in Natomas uh, sits on. But um, there, there is going to be needs to be a contribution. If it doesn't come from the Maloofs, it has come from the NBA in some way. And uh, given that the Maloofs are deeply in debt already on this franchise, it's hard to see the NBA being willing to, to fork over that much more money. Do you see a scenario where the Maloofs just say, you know what, this doesn't pencil out for us anymore financially, and they sell the franchise? That's really a, an option of last resort, I think, for them. They've, they've consistently, of course, said that they're not interested in selling when you talk to Joe and Gavin, um, personally, I've talked to Gavin about this issue, and um, he, they are, they don't want to sell. They they realized what a mistake it was that their family sold the Houston Rockets in the in the early '80s after their uh, father um, had passed away. Um, they they sold that franchise for 11 million dollars, and it's worth um, many exponents more than that now. They don't want to sell. Um, the only way that they'll sell at this point, I think. Um, before um, this is all said and done, is if you know David Stern says, "Well, look, we like this deal from an NBA standpoint. We're not going to let you leave. This is a good deal. If you can't, you know, uh, handle your part of the bargain, then we need to find an owner who can. Um, otherwise, I, I think the sentiment in Sacramento has been that if um, this deal does go through and it's not as, nearly as lucrative as what the Maloofs thought they would be getting in, say, Anaheim or Seattle." Um, then at that point, the Maloofs may decide to, to cut bait and sell. Tom Ziller from SBNation.com and SacktownRoyalty.com joining me. Yeah, it's interesting because you've got Anaheim, who has aggressively pursued the Kings a year ago, and then Seattle says they'll build an arena, but they need to acquire an NBA franchise first, and you know there's not going to be expansion in the NBA. There could only be relocation. So you've got these two other cities that would be very interested in getting the Kings to relocate to their city. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Anaheim is almost a dead issue at this point just because Seattle has popped up as an option. I think the NBA would like to get the, the league back in Seattle, not only to make up for the disaster that was 2008 with, with the team leaving for Oklahoma City, but because that's a great market. It's a huge market. It's a lucrative market, and the NBA definitely belongs there. That city which supported the NBA um, very strongly for 41 years. Um and in terms of Anaheim, I think folks in Sacramento are starting to see it as an issue where Henry Samueli, who runs the Honda Center, knows the Anaheim Ducks. He wants an NBA team in Anaheim, and he also wants an NBA team to own for himself. I think folks saw that as just sort of the Maloof's way of, of building the value of that franchise before spinning it off um, to, to Samueli. Um, the, the case could be similar in Seattle, though Christopher Hansen seems as if he wants a team of his own to move up there. Seattle, I think at this point, is doing it kind of backwards. Every other city has an arena and then gets a team. Um, it's not too often the case where um, you're able to buy a team and then move it to an arena. You look at Oklahoma City, they had the gym uh, before they went and got a team. Anaheim has the gym. 
Kansas City has the gym. Um, Hanson wants to do this backwards, and it, it, it begs curiosity as to where he was back in 2006 when Clay Bennett put in his bid for the Sonics. Where was Chris Hanson then, um, you know, to, to help keep the Sonics in Seattle? It's a good point, but I guess some would argue, all right, Kansas City built their arena and no one has come. No NBA, no NHL, so they're sitting there with this beautiful arena and no tenant. So they spent a lot of money on the arena and have nothing to show for it. Right, although that arena has still been uh, profitable, and AEG built that sort of on spec, uh, expecting that at some point a major league team would, would come that direction. But they've been able to keep it full enough um, and cheap enough to run that, that it's still been profitable um, for Kansas City. So it hasn't been a boondoggle or anything. Um, so I think that's a, another sort of example that folks in Sacramento are looking at positively, that you know, um, if that could work without a tenant, uh, it, it makes people a little optimistic about it penciling out for Sacramento, given that the Kings would remain. So, Tom, before I let you go, give me a percentage uh, as far as the Kings getting a deal done with the city of Sacramento, them remaining in a new arena, getting built in the foreseeable future. Yesterday in a press conference, Kim Johnson put it at a free throw, and he made sure to know that it wasn't a Shaq free throw. It was more of a Steve Nash free throw. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think I've uh, followed Sacramento politics a little longer than KJ, even though he's definitely an insider now. Uh, back during his playing days, we saw and Sacramento has an interesting. Their Sacramento politicians have an interesting way of making any any sure bet fail. So I'll peg him at fifty fifty, um, just so I can uh, not not feel uh, any more crushed than I would if the deal falls apart in the next couple of weeks. Sacramento um, politicians sound like Portland, Oregon politicians. Then, yeah, it's just something about these West Coast cities. I think. <laughs> We're trying to be the West Coast, uh, Washington, D.C. out here. It's, it's depressing. Yeah. But, but I think it's about a 50-50 shot at this point. I think I think they will come to a uh, close of negotiations with the league and get something in place by March 1st, and then it's up in the air whether the city council likes it. Excellent information from Tom Ziller of SBNation.com. He covers the NBA for them. Also the founding editor of SacktownRoyalty.com. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Kenny Smith, All-American at the University of North Carolina, won two championship rings with the Houston Rockets. Kenny, thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you? Man, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Talk to me about 1998, the first time you sat in the studios with Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson. How soon did you know there was going to be this kind of terrific chemistry? Well, it's funny because Ernie and I was already there for like two years before Charles retired and came with us. And, you know, we were starting to get uh, a chemistry that was kind of getting noticed by players because it used to be coming on a, on a, on a show was not cool. You know what I mean? Like, people didn't want to come on the show. It was hard to get guests when I first got there. And then all of a sudden, it started to become cool to be on our show. And then Ernie was like, what's going to happen with Charles? I was like, I don't know. And then all of, he just threw gasoline to the fire, man. He's like, the fire was just starting. And he threw gasoline, and it just exploded, man. So I, I, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great ride, man. And, you know, we've great relationships and great fun. And then you added Shaq to the mix this year. How has that changed the dynamics? He's, he's supposed to put some more fuel to the fire. That's it. Throw some more logs on. 
And, you know, this is the first time in his career he's not the most dominant player on the team. He's got a, he got a chance to just come in, fill a role, have fun, not worry about winning. And we, we won Emmys already. Like, we just need to make sure that you get out the Shaq message and how it is for you. And, that, and that, that's what we try to encompass because we already know how we're going to react and do things on our side. So it's just it's easy transition for us to have him aboard. How hard is it to go from being an athlete to being a broadcaster? We see a lot of people try and make the transition. You've made it better than most, but some people have a hard time with that. Better than all. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the hard part about it, and, and, and people think about this, when you're an athlete, you're getting interviewed, which means they're going to just let the camera roll, and they're going to splice and cut the things that they want to put on TV. But when you're an analyst, you have to be concise within 25 to 30 seconds, and everyone has to understand you and you have to get your point out. That's the difference because you're so used to being everyone being accommodating to you to wait till you get to your point where now you have to get to it. Do you ever have a player say, Kenny, man, come on, you were too critical, or anyone ever come back to you and say, what were you talking smack to me about? I think, you know, sometimes, guys, I've never really gotten calls from guys only because I think that myself personally and Charles and now Shaq that we've kind of, you know, and Ernie, we never, I never question your, your heart, your, um, your, your, your thinking ability, things that I can't physically measure. Oh, your butt didn't run back on defense? Boop, here's the film. You know, you didn't, you didn't slide over and make the extra pass? Boop, here's the film. See, I, could, I validate everything what I do with video. So I can't measure your heart. I'm not going to ever say that, you know, um, Kobe Bryant doesn't have heart. I'm never going to say that because I can't measure that. Kenny Smith joining us. Kenny, you guys have the uh, coverage of the All-Star Weekend, TNT, this weekend. What in the world can be done from the NBA to get some of the elite guys participating in the dunk contest again? I mean, Jeremy Evans in the dunk contest? Are you kidding me? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, the dunk contest would be great. Yeah, it would be great if, you know, Dwight Howard got back in it and Blake Griffin came and gets him and LeBron said, I'm in it. But a lot of times, the dunk contest, this is where guys come out of obscurity. I never heard of Nate Robinson before he got really into the dunk contest. I never really knew what he could do. Uh, Spud Webb going back. You know, Harold Miner, J.R. Smith, J.R. Ryder. Like, these guys kind of make their name in the dunk contest and then they become a little bit more famous. You know, the Jordans and, and Dominiques, when we were growing up in our era, different. But I, a lot of the new age guys, we really didn't know a lot about them before the dunk contest. You were in the dunk contest. What was that like for you? Oh, man. I mean, it's the only time where you walk onto the floor with your, with your, your, your uniform from your team, and you're the only one out there. And 20,000 people are watching you. So this is the first time you get to show off. And, and you just did all the things that you practice that no one else sees. You get a chance to show them. So it's a lot of fun, man. It's an it's a, it's a overwhelming experience that time when you walk out on that floor and everyone's cheering and it's just you. I bet that's awesome. You always have a good party at All-Star Weekend. What do you have planned this weekend in Orlando? Oh, my gosh. You, gotta, you, know, you guys are good. I got this year. I have Mary J. Blige hosting my party. Wow! Uh, you know we're gonna have a great time. My daughter signed with Interscope, so I got the plug through her. Actually, Kayla Brianna. So I got I got to meet Mary, and we became cool. And and so she's gonna host the party, and uh, it's in Orlando. I got uh, Gentleman Jack is sponsoring it, so it's a lot of fun. This is the weekend, man. If you if you if you ever love basketball and sports, to be in Orlando. Yeah, a lot of people say the parties are better than the game and the competitions. I, I, I would say that it's all-encompassed. You know, you, it's like your trading cards are walking around. Like, you see past-present guys. You'll see, you'll see Earl Monroe walking with Clyde Frazier next to LeBron. <laughs> wow. Like, it's an unreal experience just to be around that environment and then to be in a social setting as well. And, uh, you know, I, I just enjoy the more madness, which, here it is, leads to my Coke Zero thing while I'm here. Coke Zero's giving you know, everyone a chance for Enjoy More Madness in, through the NCAA tournament. That's why I'm really here. It's a text-to-win program. So you text Zero, then your team name at 2653, and it gives you a chance to 
when on March Madness Live, which now you have to pay for. You don't have to pay for it if you win. And you get it on your, your iPhone or your Android phone. And you can go to enjoymoremadness.com and actually win triple uh, ticket to the Final Four. So Coke Zero's done it again. All-Star Weekend. I'm here, man. We just have a lot of fun this month. That's awesome. How do you like doing the NCAA March Madness coverage? It's a little bit different than the NBA coverage, isn't it? Oh, it's a lot different because when, when I do an NBA game, I already have your history, not only from this year, from three years, four years, your sixth year in the league. I know your tendencies, your habits, why you're doing But when I, when I do a game and it's Idaho State, like I've got two <laughs> games at most on these guys. Then I have some kids who may not ever play basketball again after this game. They might not ever play competitive basketball again. And so you realize how valuable that is to them. So you want to be sharp, you want to be on point, and you want, but it, it's very difficult to prepare. And anybody who told you that they know all 64 teams or 68 teams in the, in the uh, tournament, they're lying to you. No, I bet it would be really hard. But isn't the tournament great? Because, and this is where, you know, I get into this big college football discussion. Football doesn't have this college basketball. Cinderella comes to the dance and can knock off, you know, the big, big team. Yeah, I mean, one game, you know, you know, it's 40 minutes. It's not like a seven-game series where the best team wins in a seven-game series. But in, in a one-game situation, things happen, injuries sickness. The guy wakes up with a stomachache. You know what I mean? So it's so many different variables that can control a March Madness that that's what makes it intriguing and the competition and people love. Hey, I'm based here in Portland, Oregon. Give me your thoughts on the Blazers. Man. <laughs> Whatever, whoever voodoo or you do that they do need to get off that team because, you know, if, barring injuries, this was a team of the future. If, if you know if Brandon Roy and and it's playing and and, and Greg Oden is playing, this would this would be the team that everyone's saying how many championships they can possibly win. Yeah, do you think they can still be a competitive team, or if you were the Blazers, would you be in uh, rebuilding mode right now? I think they're they're rebuilding as they're built. You know what I mean? Like some teams have to just get rid of everyone. Certain teams just need to add a piece. They've always had a big talent base where they're just able to add a piece to make them the next step. So they take each step, but then the injuries happen. So if they're able to just keep climbing those steps that they have been doing and, and stay really competitive and, and possible, and then all of a sudden they get lucky and get that player that kind of impacts the game, then they're going to be okay. Kenny, is this the year LeBron finally gets his ring? I would say that they're the favorite. I think that he's playing the best basketball, and their, their team is playing the best basketball. So I believe that this is their year. All right, before I let you go again, go to enjoymoremadness.com. Coke Zero school shout-out. Lots going on there. Uh, lots of giveaways. And uh, thanks for taking the time to join me, Kenny. I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, man, that was fun. Thanks a lot. Take care. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back in lots of thank yous on the show this week. 
We had some great guests. Boy Brown from TheBizOfBaseball.com, Bob Condotta from the Seattle Times, Tom Ziller from Sacktown Royalty and SB Nation, and Kenny the Jet Smith, All-Star Weekend. Brian Griggs, are you going to be watching the All-Star festivities this weekend, or do they not really excite you anymore? It's one of those things where I will have it on and off, but I will not sit there and watch the whole thing. But yeah, I'll, I'll check that. I like the dunk in the, in the uh, three-point shootout. Those are my favorite, too. All right, quick. Yeah. Name one participant in the slam dunk contest. <laughs> that's a good question. See? No clue. And that's the problem. Exit. That is a problem. If I'm Sprite and I'm putting up all the money for the slam dunk contest to be the sponsor, that's a big problem for me. When someone named Jeremy Evans, no offense, Jeremy Evans, is one of the headliners of the <laughs> slam dunk contest, and there's no Blake Griffin, LeBron yeah. James, Dwight Howard, anyone like that, there's a problem. So what would I do? I'd put up $5 million, winner take all, first prize, Sprite or some sponsor puts that up. If you're going to continue with the dunk contest, I think you need to put up big money, winner take all, and do something that's going to get the elite athletes, the big names to come out. If not, you might as well just do away with it. Well, I mean, come on, look at Blake Griffin. I mean, every night he plays is a dunk contest. Right. I mean, that guy would kill it. He'd be phenomenal. I mean, and he should be. And LeBron, I mean, he had a dunk this week that was just insane. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. It's crazy. I I agree with you. Get those three. Yep. Throw someone else in if you want, you know, that has a big name. Five million bucks, winner take all. And I guarantee you, you even though these guys make a lot of money, the wives, the girlfriends, the families will say, you know what, five million bucks, that's a lot of money. Go get it. You know, that's a nice little bonus on top of the money you're already bringing in. That's college money. That's vacation money. That's uh, house money. Whatever it is, they'll get some pressure from the family to go compete to bring home that kind of money. But... For what they offer right now, there's no incentive. And if you're LeBron James and you've never competed in the dunk contest, the only thing you can do is hurt yourself and lose to Dwight Howard or to Blake Griffin. So that's why he doesn't compete. As far as the other contests, I don't really have a big interest. I'll watch some of the All-Star game and some of the festivities, but I'm like you, Griggs. I'm not going to sit around and make an appointment to uh, watch the entire weekend. But uh, we'll talk about it on the show next week. Always some interesting business around the NBA All-Star Game. Again, thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Doug Zanger, and Max Waterman. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com. Our show podcast will be downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you review our podcast, post a review on iTunes. I'm on Twitter, at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.